The Absolute Value Podcast is brought to you by Jaybird Sports. High-performance wireless audio for athletes. Power your passion. Sess, welcome to the Absolute Value Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Listen, I'm so excited to have you. And before we get started, I wanted to share how much I appreciate you. You've been uh, an amazing person uh, and uh, you've given me the opportunity to be your agent. But beyond that, my family and I absolutely love you and we consider you and call you a friend. Uh, You're an inspiration to many people and you're one of the hardest working persons I know. So I appreciate you for that. Oh, you're going to make me cry. We started this podcast with tears. This is a way we should start every podcast from now on. (laughs) If you guys don't know Lauren Sesselman, let me give you a little bit of background on her. She was born in the great state of Wisconsin. I know. By the way, you you have another you have another nickname is the bone crusher. Is that the head crusher? Skull crusher? That is my other. (laughs) The bone crusher. Yes. Oh my goodness. I actually don't want to know how you got that nickname. But anyway, <laughs> so you were you were born in the great state of Wisconsin, correct? Yes, sir. Now the you The land of cheese. I yeah, I'm sure that's the only thing you guys are known for <laughs> that in the Green Bay Packers. Now you excelled at soccer yeah, and basketball growing up, which is very cool. Uh, because I think it gave you a lot of understanding of how to use different parts of your body and mind as you're performing at a very high level. You then go on to play college soccer, specifically for Purdue. Um, then you were drafted by the Chicago Stars. You bounced around a few teams, Sky Blue, Atlanta, some of these other ones in the American leagues. Uh, but I, I think you're most and better known for your time with the Canadian national team, um, uh, where you won a bronze medal in the 2012 Olympics and participated in the 2015 World Cup. And we're going to get to why an American girl born in Wisconsin represented Canada in a little bit later. But, Sess, what a career. Uh, and why don't we just start at the very, very beginning. How in the heck did you end up at Purdue? Okay. I actually met Rob Claudi when I was at ODP camp. So ODP camp obviously is Olympic development program for those that don't know. And it kind of is a program that gave me a lot of visibility because coming from a small state of Wisconsin, a lot of people don't really recruit within Wisconsin. He was in one of my sessions there and he was so funny. And the way he coached everybody in our session, I was just kind of like, I want to have a coach like that. And so you know, you get a couple visits and I was really new to this whole process. I really didn't have anybody to look up to that kind of helped me with the whole, how do you get to college thing? Nobody really did it except for Leslie Osborne, Jada Merritt, and a few other people that I really look up to now. I took all my visits and when I went to Purdue, I, I had the best time ever. I know that Rob was really invested in me and that was part of the reason why I really wanted to go there. And as I said, the way he is with with players, um, it just made you want to play for him and with him and um, just really take his program to the next level. And that's exactly what our class did when we came in. And I was there for five years and um, I had an incredible career there. So I'm very thankful to the Boilermakers. Now, when you think back on those five years and Rob, what, what is one of the things that you learned the most, one of the most valuable lessons you learned from that experience? Being a good teammate, learning the game. Um, 
and a lot of the skills that I took to what was next. And I mean, I just grew as a person and as a player there. And I learned so much from the people I was surrounded myself with. And um, especially just, just Rob instilling that belief. And I, there's only a few coaches that I can really pinpoint throughout my career that really actually created change within me. And Rob was definitely one of the first I'd argue that this gave you the very basic foundation to what could become uh, a story out of a book, a story out of a movie. So why yeah. don't we get why don't we get onto it? You get drafted by Chicago now. For those people who are listening to us in the United States of America uh, and in Canada, even when you get drafted into our leagues in soccer, doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a contract. It just means that you're guaranteed an opportunity to go, in essence, try out for lack of better words. Why don't you tell us what happened? Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I mean, going off that, not many people get that opportunity right. to be drafted. Right. So to have my Nate called right before Brandy Chastain. And so for me, that was like the coolest thing ever because I've looked up to her for so many years. And to be considered one of the top players in the country was probably the coolest thing ever, especially as a forward, because most people don't know that I was a forward most of my career. From the moment you're drafted until arguably one of the biggest highlights of your career, which is getting called up to the national team, you bounce around uh, several different teams. And you and I have talked about this a lot in the sense of this was a scary mm-hmm. time for you because you started to question, hey, am I made for the pros? What gave you the, f- yeah. the energy to continue to go back and go back and continue to push for that dream of yours of playing at a very high level? just worked hard I put my head down and I just worked and I worked and I worked and that is a true testament of someone's character and the type of player you are is no matter what someone tells you or believes in you like you just keep working hard and that's always kind of been the type of player I know I'm not the most technical I'm not the fastest but I know what my strengths are and I know that if I just keep working I'm gonna get my opportunity folded and they I don't know if you remember the St. Louis team at that time had like all the talent they had Hope Solo they had Tina right. Ellerton right. they had Laura Gluttony they had like all the stars so who gets the short end of the stick the majority of the people on their team since they were that we were the newest team lowest in the league at that point we were getting about like seven or eight players so he pulled me in I remember him sitting there and he's just like Seth like you work really hard but we have to let you go so I called him later that day and I said, even though I was so mad, I was like, hey, I really have no idea what I'm supposed to do from here on out. I want to play still until I figure out what's next for me. Can I just train with you guys so I can continue to get better? He's like, sure. Yeah, no problem. Keep training with us. Not sure if that was illegal or not. But anyways, he came out and I came out the next day. I was so angry. I scored like 10 goals. He pulls me aside and he's like, where did that come from? He goes, I'm going to resign you. He's like, what I saw today, you're really good. And I was like, I've been playing that same way since I've been here. You just never gave me an opportunity. It's insane how your life 
had been going yeah. somewhat difficult, right? Because nothing was being given to you. You were a very talented player, but you would expect the talented players just get things served in the, in the silver platter, and that was not the case for you. However, yeah. there's a time in your career where things start falling into place randomly. Um, he get, he tells yeah. you to change your position, which is arguably one of the best coaching tips that anybody could have given you because you were a monster defender. Arguably, in my opinion, one of the best Canadian defenders to ever play the game for Canada. Um, then you get your citizenship. Thank then you, you get called up. Now, before we get into the Canadian side, I've known you for years. And every time we're in a conversation mm -hmm. with a group of people, people say, how are you Canadian? So why don't you tell us <laughs> how this whole thing comes about? So my father was born and raised in Newfoundland, in Stevensville, Newfoundland. Um, and I consider Wisconsin pretty much Canada. But during the pros, I had been, and even before there, I even joined the pros, I had been emailing Canada. And I would tell them, I'd be like, hey, I can play for you guys. Like, these are my strengths. And... I'd be like, hey, I'm going to be at this tournament, or hey, I'm playing for the Atlanta Beat, check me out. Um, just keep me in mind, maybe if you brought me into one camp, I would show you what I can do. And they would always write back and be like, okay, we got you on the radar. Uh, they're not looking for any new talent right now, and that's when they have Carolina. Until how all the stars align, when I called my dad and said I was going to give up soccer, and was crying and just thought maybe this wasn't for me. So I get this email because we performed terribly in the 2011 World Cup. I think they lost every game except one. And they they let go of Carolina and they brought in John Herdman, who I can't say enough positive and good things about John and how he helped catapult my career. I owe it all to him. He had reached out and he's like, hey, so I'm turning things around here. We're looking for new talents. I see that you've been writing for a while. I know who you are. Uh, you've been on the radar. Can you come in this week for training camp on these days? I literally called my dad right away because my dad's like my best friend. And I was like, this isn't real life. I had to like reread it a few times to be like, is this real? I'm like, I was about to quit. I told you I was going to quit. And then I was just going to finish out that season and then probably be done and this happened and my dad starts crying because he knows how hard I worked and and then a couple weeks later I'm at national team camp standing next to Christine Sinclair in the forward group hoping that the girls liked me oh my gosh. <laughs> and not trying to pee my pants and then that first day in training we we were like midway through practice he goes I'm gonna put you at left back okay that's what John said to me. And I said, great. I finally get a chance to be in camp and I've never played defense in my life. And I'm being thrown into this. I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to get cut right away before I even get a chance. And I remember being like, okay, you have nothing to lose. You're going into like a mini scrimmage within practice. And I had taken the ball down the line and I had an opportunity to shoot and I shot it and it went upper 90. I think that's when I gained the respect of everybody on the team. And <laughs> And everyone just looked at me and he was like, okay, you're starting against the U.S. in a few days. We'll be right back. Introducing Vista. Vista are Jaybird Sports' premier totally wireless Bluetooth headphones. The 
lightest, most compact, and most advanced headphones I've ever made. With industry-leading battery life, IPX7 waterproof rating, and US military rugged compliance certification. Go get yourself a pair at jbrsports.com. Support our sponsor. So now we fast forward a few months, 2012 summer, you guys are getting ready to go to the Olympics and says arguably this is the strongest Canadian women's national teams that I have ever seen uh, play. You guys are very strong and one of the favorites to win gold or to go very far at the very least. What was what, what was it like going into the Olympics and being at the Olympics? I mean, first of all, just to say that I was going to go into the Olympics was probably the coolest thing in the entire world. I've never been to London and you get there and the athlete village is so cool. I got to meet Usain Bolt. I got to play pool with Neymar and Marcelo. Like they were in our hotel because soccer, you kind of go around to different hotels. I got to step foot in Newcastle, Old Trafford and Wembley. Like these are, these are the coolest things in the world. Nobody gets to say they get to do that unless you're, you know, the top players in the world. So to be considered one of the top players to be there at the Olympics and to be touted as one of the top teams there. I mean, our team, because of our performance there, uh, we just got inducted in the hall of fame, the Olympic hall of fame. So that's just a testament to um, this team. So, I mean, the whole thing was absolutely incredible to have my family there to see the flag rise, the, the blood, sweat and tears, everything it took to get to that stage was the coolest thing in the world and that my parents and family got to be there was the coolest thing it's got to be so cool and you guys were smoking teams left and right in the group stages in the quarterfinals then you guys get to the semifinals you guys are playing arguably <laughs> against the best women's team that the world has ever seen the u.s women's national yeah. team what was the tension like going into that game what was that locker room at that stadium at that semifinal game what was it like I mean, leading up to it, we had been pretty even on on scores when we played against each other. So I knew it was going to be the most intense game ever. I mean, you're fighting to go to the gold medal match. Like, it's literally in our grasp. As a fan and and, and as as a viewer, if you will... It was arguably one of the best Olympic games in the history of of soccer in the Olympics. And for 53 minutes, Canada has shocked the world. You guys were leading the U.S. (laughs) 1-0. Megan Rapinoe comes in with the the iconic Olympic goals, what we call it in soccer, which is a, a corner kick that goes in into the goal. And then Sinclair has the hat trick. I mean, honestly, Old Trafford has never seen a better women's game in the history no. as they watched during the semifinal game. Now, you guys are leading as the 79th minute or so. Let me, let me, what happened? Let me take you through this because people still ask me this question today. And it still is one of the highest rated games of any sport, male or female. So let me let me tell you, we were winning 3-2 to two and we should have won that game 3-2 to two because... They called Aaron for holding on to the ball too long, which nobody ever calls, and you're supposed to give a warning. Abby Wambach was by the ref's ear and was counting all over the place just to get the ref rattled. And you know what happened? She got the ref rattled. She buckled, The ref yeah. gives him the free kick, and they scored. You guys go to double overtime, 120 minutes. In fact, it was two minutes over the 120 minutes, so it was extra time of the overtime. 
ball gets played out from the right side of the field, what happens? People are joining us all the time. You've missed, if you haven't seen much of this game, an absolute classic. But what you may be about to witness is the first ever penalty shootout in a women's soccer match at the Olympic Games. If somebody in the final 60 seconds can't grab a fourth and ultimately winning goal. My left back at the time was out of position. And you had to cover. Um, and, and I had to cover. One back, space on the right-hand side for Heather O'Reilly. Morgan in the box, one back in the box. Here comes the cross. You know, she gets the, the cross off. I almost blocked that cross. I was like literally an inch away from blocking it. And, you know, Alex wins, headball and scores. Oh, it's in! Alex Morgan has done it! Barely 30 seconds to go! It's all over. Extraordinary drama at the Theatre of Dreams. It's turned into a nightmare for Canada. I dropped to my knees because all that work, all that effort, I mean, Christine has the game of a lifetime. We all have a game of a lifetime. So we just felt defeated. Like, literally, I don't think I've ever cried so much in my life. Everybody was crying, and we didn't know how to pick ourselves up after that. We had the opportunity to still win a medal. And then you're playing against France, who I think France is the best team in the world all around. And, I mean, they took it to us that game, and we held strong defensively. I don't know how many goal line saves Desi, Carm, and I had. And Erin, you know, just playing out of her mind. And I remember I stole the ball, took it up the line, passed it to Sophie, who then passed it to D, who, who shot it, and uh, we won. Literally gave and you a bronze medal. And we got a bronze freaking medal, man. And I don't think I've ever screamed so loud in my life. Like, it is the, like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's bringing tears to my eyes right now because of how special those moments are, you know? And this so, is something you will always have with you. Nobody will ever take this away oh, from you. Yeah. And that bronze medal is something that you will, that, that, that will carry throughout your generations. Uh, and something that I'm, I'm very proud of you for. Uh, again, the odds of you... you stepping up to that podium and the third place and receiving that bronze medal it, it's something that nobody could have written other than you so i'm very proud of that now let's fast Thank forward you. a few years we're in 2015 the world cup comes around arguably one of the most physical yeah. tournaments that you that i have personally seen you play and you continue to get knocked down you continue to go down and you and I have talked about this a lot, and, and this had some repercussions that, that are now still to this day uh, somewhat affecting you. Now, how have you managed? Well, first of all, tell us a little bit about how it happened and what happened during that World Cup. And the secondly answer, yeah. how have you managed your mental health since then and, and as a result of what happened during that tournament? Yeah, so I, I don't know if a lot of people know, but like I, I, in 2014, right before the World Cup, I tore my ACL really badly and it took me a long time to recover. And I literally just recovered just in time for the World Cup. So um, that was a huge feat in itself for me to, to be back and to play at the World Cup. And, you know, John's like, we need you. And that was, you know, 
what pushed me through every day. And I came back. I, I felt strong. I felt great. Our defense was solid. I mean, we hadn't even given up a goal, you know, and we were one of the strongest back lines in the World Cup. So that game um, against England, quarterfinals, I just remembered they watered the turf. I thought it was so weird. Everybody was slipping. And that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, Desi passed me the ball, and I went to go clear it. And right before I was about to kick it, I slipped, and I fell. And Jody Taylor was right there, and she got past uh, Kadisha after that. And then another defender, I think it was Chappie, and then she ended up scoring, and it all happened within the blink of an eye. Misplay in the back by Sessiman. Jody Taylor's away. Chapman trying to recover. She slips. The Taylor shot is a goal. We're playing so well in all these other games. Like, people are rooting for us. I knew that I was playing well. I was proud of myself. And then this happens to me. Coming off of an amazing Olympic career, everyone was like, Sess, you're one of the top defenders in the world. But to have that just taken away within the blink of an eye because you messed up once. I think people fail to realize that everybody messes up. Like Carly Lloyd, uh, Messi, all your favorite players in the world are not perfect. Everybody messes up. And it just so happened that I was chosen to mess up at that moment, and it still haunts me today. And I still get heat from it from people, and I don't think that's okay. And yeah, I don't think after that, that game, we needed a scapegoat, and I became the scapegoat. To think that that's how my career ended for me is probably the hardest thing. I tried to come back after that, and I got injured again, made my meniscus. Um, when I was with Houston and it was just maybe it wasn't in the cards for me maybe that was a sign that was like hey you've accomplished every single feat that you had on your bucket list World Cup Olympics Pan American Games medals etc you checked them maybe it's time for you to move on I worked my butt off to get there I was getting death threats I think it happened to me for a reason and now I get a lot of youth players coming to me and saying, hey, I messed up in my game and, you know, this what happened and, and seeing that you messed up gives me confidence. Seeing you go down and go down uh, in such a way, it, it, it was painful and it's got to be painful and then see you struggle with that has to be painful, especially for me to watch because, you know, as, as your agent, I want to protect you from this stuff, but I can't uh, because yeah. it's just the cards that you were dealt, as you said. However, with all of that said, I really think that these cards were dealt to you because you are the one person that could handle it and the one person that could rise above from it and can teach others. <laughs> For all those who are listening, Cesc has now transitioned and retired from the game, the national team level, and has transitioned to become a mentor to many, many little girls and, and players out there. I think that, that you are given a platform now to utilize these experiences of going down, literally going down, emotionally and physically to help players who may not have the strength mentally and physically to get back up like you have and teach them. So I commend you for that and I'm telling you that this has happened for a reason because you can help a lot of people. So with that said, what message do you have for all those who are experiencing 
similar obstacles and where they fall down physically and mentally and how do you uh, help them get back up? I mean, I think it's cliche, but when you fall down, you get back up and you surround yourself with people who are going to help you get back up. I failed numerous times, but that's also turned me into the person who I am and the player that I became. Just know that even someone that's had a career like mine, if it's something that you want to accomplish one day, we've all experienced um, the lowest of the lows, but we've also experienced the highs of the highs. And I think that's just really important to remember along your journey, wherever your journey may take you. Well, Sess, you're a freaking Olympic bronze <laughs> medalist. You. That's unbelievable. Thank you so much for Thank allowing you. me to be part of your journey. You're a beautiful soul, and I cannot wait to see what the world has for us next. Uh, so with that said, thank yes. you so much for sharing this story. I know it sometimes can be painful, but it's one that can help a lot of people. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show. Thank you, Cisco. You're the best. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Absolute Value Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. This episode was powered by Telcrum, a full-service sports agency. All rights reserved.